and then I wanted to run out of the scene. And so as I get up, I'm by myself in my apartment. It's just my phone on like a tripod. And I'm just like, I have all my stuff up and I'm like doing my first take and I look over and I'm like, ooh, whatever. And then when I get up to run, I run into the kitchen and then I slip on the carpet or the rug that's in my kitchen and fall back directly on my back, just flat on it. And I break my coupe glass and there's oh, water everywhere. And then I'm just laying there and my back hurts so much. And it's been hurting for the last few days just because of this. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I just get up and you just hear me in the recording. Oh, oh. And I'm just like cleaning up glass. I'm like, oh, shit, I have to turn this off. So I have to go back and like push it off. So Catherine comes home and she's like, what happened? I was like, I hurt myself. <laughs> she's Getting like, too what? Old I was like, let me, just, stuff. let me just show you. And so I just show her the video and it's like so awful. So did you send that one in or? Oh, uh, no, I, I cut that one out. But I, I spent a lot of time trying to decide whether I was actually going to um, send an unedited version to my agent to be like, hey, so acting is dangerous, I yeah. guess. <laughs> You hurt your back, man. Getting too old for acting. I, it was very bad. I was like, oh, damn. I like, could not walk. Well, walk. I could walk pretty well. But like sleeping on it hurt. And I was like, God, I'm not even 30. This is the worst. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we are your neighborhood Magic the Gathering Arena sports bar. Yeah, basically we're just regular guys. We drink beer, talk about Magic, Arena in particular, and uh, competitive play, so the MPL yeah. Rivals Leagues. It's basically what we do, and competitive play. We just had a big event this last weekend, the Call Time League Weekend number 1, which uh, we had drafted players like we like to do for mm -hmm. those events. Um, so we get to have the results for that today, and then... We also have spoilers uh, for more call time spoilers that we've been seeing a lot of. And we have a new segment that's called Worth a Slot. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a slot. Yeah. Like, like a, I, a slot in your it. deck, you know. In your deck. Yeah, um, I'm like pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny. Um, but before we get to all of that, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? Right, so it's more call time stuff, so I'm continuing what I started last week with mm. the call time themed beers here. Uh, I brought something called Nordic Lager. So it's a, it's a lager, uh, and it's made by Henderson, which is here in Toronto, but they did a collaboration with Jacobsen, which is in Norway. So maybe it's Jacobsen. I'm not sure. But uh, it's oh. a brewery out in Norway. And I was curious what makes it a Nordic lager. So I guess the only way to really tell you is to read it from the can. So our Nordic lager geez, is infused with Scandinavian angelica root, renowned for its restorative properties and once said to be the currency of Vikings. Hmm. So okay. Viking-themed set, I brought a Vikings-themed beer. It's 5.2%, and the can has, like, this, I guess, Nordic guy. He has a beard uh, in front of, like, the Toronto skyline. Interesting. So, something in common, my beer also has a bearded guy by the <laughs> Toronto skyline, except for he is naked in a lawn chair with uh, snow on the ground. Um, I brought Hanlon's Point, which is from Great Lakes Brewery, and it's their Coconut Coffee Porter, which is 6.5%. 
And uh, yeah, it's nice and tasty, very desserty. I like it. Yeah, so if anyone wants to know what living in Toronto is like, you just have to get one of these cans. It's naked guys sitting in the snow with coconuts. <laughs> yeah, you'll know all about it. And I guess there's a there's a lot of beers that have like a picture of a bearded guy and a skyline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we brought two of those this week. Yeah. Um, as far as magic news goes, there's not really anything going on. Uh, we had the league weekend this last weekend. We're going to talk about that already and all the call time spoilers and things. So yeah. Uh, with that, uh, Jeff, how was your arena week? Uh, I would say uneventful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I played a little bit, um, but not a lot. Honestly, this is the time when I play the least, like right during spoiler season, basically, because the new set hasn't mm-hmm. dropped yet. And I'm all excited for those cards because I'm reading the spoilers and stuff. Uh, exactly. Log in to try to get quests done and play a few games and stuff. So nothing exciting. Yeah. How about you? Uh, basically the same thing, just trying not to play cube or anything and waste gold on stuff I don't really want. Right. Um, uh, and just kind of grinding quests and then leaving and looking at spoilers or watching the league weekend. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it went. Um, which is totally great. I am fine with that because we have the third league, we- league weekend in the bag. It's the first for Kaldheim. Uh, we have another one in February. But uh, maybe we should, if you're not used to um, us or you're new... Uh, basically, we like to do a fantasy draft for the Magic Pro League every time there's an event. <laughs> yeah. So this was a, a league weekend, which you can think yeah. of basically as like the regular season games of the league. So there's mm-hmm. the for the Magic Pro League and the rivals, they each played 12 uh, games, right? And they're kind of just playing against other players in the league and they get one point for a win and it's just goes towards their regular uh, season standings so it's not some big tournament with a, an eventual winner it's just yeah. regular season play exactly yeah so they're just trying to get points to to be up on the leaderboard and get into all the different kinds of things that go on with having your position there's a lot of gauntlets and different things like that and depending on where you are you get to stay in the mpl or you get pushed to the rivals league which is like the the it's not junior league, but it's like the, the just the tier right below the right. MPL, which yeah. is the Magic Pro League. Um, or if you're in the Rivals League, you might get bumped down to a challenger, which is just like a regular person uh, grinding. One of, us. <laughs> One of us. One of us. One of us. So basically how our fantasy team or our sports thing works is that we draft three MPL players, four Rivals players. We also pick the highest meta percentage for a deck uh, and the top performing deck for the weekend. Uh, and then we get points uh, depending on that. Yeah, so, one, one point for each win your player gets, basically. And then, yes. Uh, we changed it recently, but a couple of points for getting the correct meta percentage or the uh, top performer. Top performing deck. Yep. Exactly. Um, so maybe we should just start by kind of uh, talking about the weekend and like what. Uh, well, what first we got to tell them the, the stakes. Oh, of course, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Jeff, would you like to explain what the stakes for our bet is? Okay, so as we mentioned, there's several events, like League Weekend is one of them. So this was the third event uh, that has happened so far that we've drafted for. We missed the first one. Um, And at the end, whoever won the most of these events will get to receive a weird 2-4 from the loser. So that's a case of beer full of beers hand-picked by... Uh, whoever was defeated the yes so the loser gets to put together a 24 pack of beer 
uh, that are all different and give it to the winner. Yeah. And hopefully drink them together if the pandemic ever calms down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because right now we have to do all of our episodes uh, over Zoom, um, which is fine. It's actually, I mean, it's, it's okay. It's still but, fine. Uh, it'd be better if we were together, but. <laughs> yeah just you give know, a big old hug better when we're <laughs> together <laughs> yeah basically um sweet so um let's talk about the weekend yeah what were they playing they were playing historic mm-hmm. it was it was great it was historic um, <laughs> it was very historic um i'm just gonna read like let's let's just talk about what the standings are like right now because they got uh, some shakeups happened this weekend yep so, uh, for the MPL, uh, just the top few players, uh, PVDDR is still in first place. Um, Gabriel Nassif is right behind him. And then Brad Nelson and Seth Manfield jumped way up and are uh, tied for third right now. They jumped like five uh, spots. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Martin Hughes is right behind him, who jumped three. And then Andre Strasky, Jean-Emmanuel de Praz, and uh, Andre Mangucci have all gone down since then, um, Mangucci going the farthest, which is uh, five slots down. So yeah. that's kind of like our top seven. I guess eight would be Marcio Carval and Reed Duke uh, is basically our ties for eighth place. And they're tied um, with Mangucci. Yeah. And they're tied with Mangucci. Yeah, correct. Um, and then Autumn Burchett's behind that. And then Ray Sato went, uh, <laughs> went down seven points. That's rough. Which... Uh, <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert, he was on my team for this week, so that was kind of a bummer to see. Um, but that's most of the, like, kind of the, the front runners. It's really uh, Paolo did not lose any any ground and is just still the clear leader at the moment. It, it's fairly close at the top. Um, I think points are 28-27 between him and uh, Gabriel Nassif. So it's, uh, you know... Yeah, I'm just learning. It'll that, be interesting to the end that Paolo and Nassif just never lose. They just do well. They're every so event. good. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, and if PV um, top aided the championship, the Zendikar Rising Championship, then he would have been like much farther yeah. ahead. But he lost on breakers, so right. I think he had the same record as Nassif. So yeah, <laughs> it's Nassif it, cracked you know. the top eight, and PV didn't. So uh, it kind of is how it, that's what it's like sometimes with tournaments, but. Um, yeah, I think this round-robin style is pretty interesting, um, especially seeing now that we're going to start coming back around for the MPL playing players they've already played before. Um, right, the great thing about the, from a viewer's perspective is like when you watch a big tournament, you either watch the same players over and over again because you mm-hmm. want to watch matches that are interesting um, in, in terms of finishing in the top eight and stuff. So the people who are winning, you just see them constantly. Which, uh, or the other alternative is that you watch games that don't really matter because both players are pretty close to can't make the top eight status. Yeah. Whereas with this, all the matches matter. So you always get to see a, a variety of different players playing matches that matter. Yeah. And it, and it stays interesting the whole time because you do really care about everybody, especially when you do fantasy right. and you pick players <laughs> that are kind of at the bottom. <laughs> you hope, come on, fight, fight your way up. It's I your really week. need you to, it's your week. Come on, Allie Warfield, let's go. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, rivals, talking about Allie. Um, Jeff, do you want to talk about uh, kind of the, the front runners in that league? 
Yeah, so this is the biggest uh, shakeup, I think, because now yes. the top two players are completely different. So in first place, we have Stanislav Sivka, who <sighs> moved up seven point, seven places. He was in eighth before yeah. this event, just dominated this league weekend, shot up into first place. Ely Cassis is in second. Wow, both these names sound so familiar. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, uh. Ely Kissy's moved up six places from where he was before. Then we have Matt Sperling, who's technically moved down one because he was the previous champion, now tied for second. Zachary Keeney also tied for second in there. Then we have Bernardo Santos, Luis Scott Vargas, and Christian Hauk tied for fifth. And so LSV, Luis Scott Vargas, dropped four places because he was... Uh, I believe tied for first with Matt Sperling. He was tied for first this. with Matt, yeah. yeah. So that's just a huge shakeup. And then after that is Corey Burkhart, who moved up 13 spots this weekend. What? What <laughs> the heck? Yeah, so this is just a crazy jumble. If you look down the line a bit, Alexander Hain is tied for 19th, and he says he moved up 19 spots. So 19 <laughs> he spots. literally went from last to middle of the league. And if we look down here, Jacob Wilson went down 16 places. He only oh. made, he won one match this weekend. Yeah. One. That's like, of any player, that is, the, I think that's the worst of any player who played this yeah, weekend. Yeah, it just goes to show yeah. you can't slip at all, basically. Like, you, one yeah. bad weekend, and boom. Down you go. Like, especially in rivals just... with 48 competitors. 46. Or 46, right. Yeah. I get to get you this time. You got yeah, me last yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just wanted to see if you were on top of your game, if you'd learned your yeah, lesson yeah, yeah, from for last sure. week. So. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and luckily we have a lot of this information because of uh, Ball Lightning PhD on Twitter. So thank you for putting this whole spreadsheet together because um, Magic.gg doesn't have everything up yet. It's so. actually hard to get. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty hard to get. So thank you uh, for throwing that together. Um, throwing it together. You you spend all weekend putting it together. Yeah, so, I'm sure he didn't uh, just we do throw appreciate it, it. Or they just didn't throw it together. But <laughs> No, 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 definitely not. But um, it's really good stuff. Um, if, it, if anyone's interested, uh, it's just an open document anyone can get off of his Twitter. So that's Ball Lightning PhD. Look him up. Uh, it's great stuff. Uh, also, if you want to follow along right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could have said that before, but we didn't. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it's pretty interesting uh, just how everything has moved around. Jeff, would you like to... You know what? No, I'm going to talk about my team first. Fuck you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I had picked... Last week we drafted, and um, I lost the coin toss, but Jeff let me... He deferred, so I got to pick first. So I got the pleasure of having PVDDR, who got me 10 points this mm -hmm. week. He's staying in first place. That's pretty great. Thank you, PVDDR. That's awesome. Uh, after that, Ray Sato was a little bit um, not so great. Gave me four points. I don't love it. Um, Andre Strasky uh, gave me seven points, which is fairly solid. But over this week, there are a few bombs. There are fairly there are a lot of like ten point players and nine point players. Right. And so if you weren't one of those, it really, really kind of it just seven points isn't as exciting now. So yeah, but totally uh, solid performance, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a solid performance. Um, it's just hard when... Um, it was it was easier when a lot more people were getting seven points. And it's like, okay, seven, that's like average. But there was just so many, not, like, ten and nine-point players this week that... Uh, right. That uh, was kind of... The variance it was, it was, just was a little higher this week. In that. Yeah, so... Lots of players did really well, and lots of players did really poorly. 
Exactly. So that's a little bit rough. Which uh, Moving on to my rivals picks, I had Matt Sperling with five points, Matt Nass with six. Actually, he ended up going up uh, throughout the weekend. He was doing pretty bad at the beginning and then uh, came back, which was uh, kind of nice. Um, Ali Warfield that we fought over was uh, <laughs> four points. So kind of wish I just let you uh, take her because yeah, instead, well... Just shows how hard it is in this league, right? It's so hard. It's also just hard because we're making up a fantasy game. So. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, then the last player I had was Christian Hawk with seven points, which was pretty, uh, pretty decent as well. But um, but yeah. Anyway, Jeff, who were the players on your team? Yeah. So my MPL members consisted of Gabriel Nassif. Uh Never a bad choice. He got nine points. Then uh, Jean Emmanuel Desprez. He was actually doing really well. Uh, and then he must have had a slightly rougher day two because he ended with six points, which again is totally fine. Uh, nothing yeah, wrong he just with six got, points, but I, I don't know what happened. He just like got sick or something. After <laughs> the first day, it just seemed like he was uh, already he at four or five wins. So it was yeah. I was then expecting day two was just uh, like you know eight or nine or. Yeah. But six points for him, and then Reed Duke coming in seven points, uh, and a totally respectable performance as we we've totally. mentioned several times here. My rivals players, the reason I deferred the pick was to get LSV out of the rivals league. <laughs> uh, and LSV only got four points. As we hinted that he dropped a lot earlier. It's because he only got it four points. Funny. So that's we were really shocking. Talking, yeah, we were talking earlier because LSV, he, um, he was tweeting his record throughout the, the thing, which a lot of people like to do. Um, and then at a certain point, he's like, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not gonna tweet out my record anymore. I'm just... Yeah. I'm not doing well. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. So it's not, not good. <laughs> I got to text Jeff and be like, <laughs> "Yeah, suck it." Of course, you know. Yeah. Anyway, continue to the the rest of your team. Which okay. Then are... I had Shintaro Ishimura. So again, he also had a pretty good day one, which surprised me because he brought, uh, what was it like Kethis control? Kethis combo. Yeah. Sorry, I kept thinking yeah. control. Kethis combo, which is. Just not ever really been a good deck in historic. <laughs> not really that good. <laughs> People keep trying it and it never works. So when I saw that he brought that, I was preparing for like a two point performance just here. A goose so egg. Actually, no, just five, nothing. five points I'm totally fine with, actually. I that was really upsetting to me because I was ready for him to just be terrible. And he, like, <laughs> and, and did I think after than, day one, like, he had four points already or something. I was like, maybe, maybe, yeah. he, maybe he figured it out. Maybe it's get this combo. But uh, five points for him. But then we got Ely Cassis, who rocked it with nine points, shot up to second place in the league standings, as we mentioned earlier. And my last pick was Stanislav Sifka. Oh Ten points and rocketed into first place. Thanks, Stan. It's so awful because if I didn't take Ali Warfield, you wouldn't have taken him. And then I could have had a different player. Well, no, not that I don't. Ali's great. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I was really like psyched you were on my team, and all this. But um, but that's damn, what I mean about I would, it. It's just a tough league, right? Because she was practicing a lot. She was. It looked like, you know, she's really good with those sacrifice decks, and this is the format exactly. for it. So there was no reason to expect her not to do well. Just one of those weekends, you know. And sometimes you know things just don't go your way, and sometimes people get a break, and it's not you. All that kind of stuff. So, uh, bummer, Ali. I wish you wish you did better. Um, for both of our six. Yeah. Uh, going on a meta percentage, both of us picked Soltai. Well, actually, no, sorry. I picked Soltai mid-range. And so Jeff picked you shouldn't Soltai. get any points because nobody brought Soltai mid-range. They brought actually, Soltai ramp. 
No, because they categorize it. I, as I don't care what, what it's categorized as. That's not a. I'm advantage. just talking. I'm talking the way that they talk on you know uh-huh. our, our channel of I don't know magic people. Bastardize is so. the good name of mid range. Yeah, so yours is only like half. You're you're only half the deck. You you should get less points for that. I think you should. All get right, I'll give you a point. It's fine. Maybe. Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, then going on to um, top. So by the way, decks. that was correct. Sultai was the most popular deck. So we both. Oh yeah, sorry. We both yeah, get so two uh, basically, we get two points because we guess the top performing de- or sorry the highest meta percentage, but we don't get an extra two. You only get an extra two points if you beat the other player. So since we picked the same thing, it was either we get points or we don't. Right. Um, so this next one, ooh, I'm feeling. <laughs> I like this. So top top performance, Jeff. What did you what did you pick? Okay, so I want to preface this with the fact that I acknowledged that it's possible nobody brings this deck. I said mm-hmm. that. I said, I'm going to take... So I chose Rakdos Arcanist, and I said, I'm acknowledging the possibility that zero players will select this deck for the event, which is what and, happened. Yes. <laughs> I said, I think I should be taking Sultai, uh, which turns out also would have which, been wrong, so now I don't feel yeah. bad about, about So no good. matter what, you wouldn't have gotten the four big ones that I got for yeah. Jun Sack. Whew! Whew! Feels good. <laughs> it was a good choice. Like that. Jun Sack... Uh, actually kind of dominated 64.5% overall win yeah. rate. Uh, which right behind was uh, 55.8, which was Gruel Aggro, mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't even on my radar, really, for, for Historic. So Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like the best deck in Historic like nine months ago before they yeah. banned Burning Tree Emissary or suspended it, and then they unsuspended but it. But now, it's, now, it's, now back. it's back. It's a great card. I really like it. Also, the gruel lists were all over the map. It was crazy. Yeah, nobody like, seemed to agree. Just... PV, who yeah. did the best, didn't really play Collected Company. So, yeah, and um, and then there's you know uh, Martin Yuza swears by Oncrop Crasher, mm-hmm. uh, which is that like what is it three two haste, and then you can exert it to make sure a creature can't block. This turn. <laughs> yeah, anyone who played Amonkhet Limited remembers this fucking card, but it's yeah, uh, <laughs> it's. It's, it's a good. disaster. Uh, it's really but good even... against Sultai is the, the reason he likes it, because a lot of times they their whole plan is to play a big Uro. That gives them three life and gives them or a blocker, a or something. and they get to yeah. untap with it. And this just says, well, that's nice, but that can't block everything in. You're dead. Yeah. And you can get it off a of collected company, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting. It, if you want, if you're interested in looking at Gruel Aggro lists, go look at everyone's, because they're all different. Like... Um, people were debating whether you should play Kazandu Mammoth at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, some said two, some said four, some said, you know, it's, it's very all over the place. Just like, it was really cool to see that, um, especially with that's like an archetype that I'm interested in and I think it's cool. So it was fun to see so many different builds and so many people working on their decks. Um, yeah, it's it funny because cool. when I was preparing for the historic event that I played in last month, I was considering playing Gruel Aggro with no collected company. And I was like, is this crazy? Why is nobody doing this? I feel like if you max out on Ember Cleaves and play like Questing Beasts, then you don't have to play Collected Company. Or I eventually decided really. it was just too, you know, too. Ex- I didn't have enough time to try it out. And so I'll just gotcha. play Sultai. But I feel a bit vindicated by the fact that PV took a, a Gruel Aggro deck that is not built around Collected Company. It only has totally. one. Yeah. Uh, and if you want, um, he has a tweet actually where he explains why. <clears throat> Oh. Yeah, it's like a five or six parter. He said, you know, people keep asking me why I didn't play Collected Company. 
Here's why. Basically, he feels like there's too many hits that you don't actually want, like Llanowar Elves. So even though your creature count is high for it, the actual number of creatures that are good hit counts is lower. Are not not that high. And he did acknowledge that if you're playing four on crop crashers, the card gets a lot better. Yeah. Uh, sure does. <laughs> um, I would like to say before we talk about totals and all this kinds of stuff, um, we should probably add a rule just right now that uh, if you pick a deck that doesn't show up at all, you just immediately lose four points. I think that that's... <laughs> okay, so it wouldn't have mattered here because you got four points anyways. Oh, you want minus four for me? I want an eight-point swing. Yeah, okay, so is that because there's a three-point difference in our final totals? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, I think that that's just appropriate. That's how the game should be played. All right, maybe uh, we'll we think about it, that right now. implementing that next time, retroactively implementing it to the first Now time. that we have both <laughs> picked a Rakdos deck that didn't show up <laughs> yeah. at all. No um, one's going to pick a Rakdos deck ever again. We won't stop picking Rakdos decks. But I think but Jeff, with Kaltheim, like Rakdos is going to be actually one of the best decks in standard, but... Eh, we'll see about that. Yeah. Just kidding. Actually, it does look pretty good, especially with the land. Um, but Jeff, uh, would you like to do the honors and say the point totals? <laughs> sure. Uh, so uh, Zach's team, if you were following along yeah, at home, you know that Zach's point total is 49 points. Yes. Uh, and my point total was a absolutely stellar, a beautiful, magnificent 52 points. So that's why Zach's asking for me to deduct four points for my total, because that would make him win by one. <laughs> <laughs> and that was even with... So uh, Magic Esports was posting the, the rounds each... Uh, after each round, they would post the um, scores, which was actually pretty cool. Um, though it was kind of frustrating because they weren't always correct. And the last one apparently wasn't 100% correct. And it said that Ray Sato had gotten three points when he actually got four. <laughs> Uh, he said this himself. I think I have uh, 20 points overall. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen them say anything back, but we we stuck with what Ray said, uh, which gave me that extra. Uh, and and what Ball Lightning agreed with. Yeah, Just Ball Lightning agreed and all that kind of stuff. Um, um, so unfortunately. I was actually thinking that my players were going to be better than yours, and you were just going to beat me. You're always going to beat me in the deck stuff. But this is the first time I like. I did pretty good on the deck stuff. I yeah, feel, you, you, I feel you crushed okay. it. You got both. All right. Like if I had picked something other than Sultai midrange, you would have got the full eight points. Like you got both yeah, that, the top meta deck and the top performing deck. Exactly. Except for that's kind of like I did help. last time and also lost. So maybe we should not be <laughs> trying to hit so these heavy. categories. Yeah. We well we added points to it this time. Last yeah. time it wasn't worth as many points, but it this still felt a lot closer like a lot. because when I saw that my players mm -hmm. did better than yours, but I was like, oh man, he got four extra points from the gen yeah when you're, you're you're counting up you're like i don't know until and i tallied it i wasn't sure yeah well until i yeah, saw that I, sifka got 10 then i was like oh wait no, yeah it, it was pretty yeah once you had we both had a 10 pointer and you had a couple nines it was it was like ooh, yeah can i trade a nine for a four that'd be great <laughs> yeah. um but uh we do like to try to figure out what the best possible team would be if you're playing with us uh so jeff would you explain the best team? I guess you win, so you get to say what the best team would sure. be. Sure, yeah. So, so it is worth mentioning that, uh, you know, this team isn't drafted against anybody, so it's not... Yeah. yeah. It has no restrictions. So if you were to have the best possible team, it would be... These would be your three MPL players. Would be Paolo Vitor Damodorosa, who got 10 points. 
Seth Manfield also got 10 points, and Brad Nelson got 10 points. So those See, this be... was my big... This was my problem, is that I've drafted Brad Nelson the last two times. Mm-hmm. The first time I yelled at him, and then I found out his dog was sick, so I felt bad. Yeah. So I drafted him again <laughs> uh, to make up for it, and he did really well. And so I should have drafted him one last time, and yeah. then I would have... That would have been it. It is Man. interesting, because I'm trying to like choose a diverse set of players every time not just pick the same players every week yeah. uh, and i've picked seven Which, before and you, you know you've picked brad twice and i picked pv last time so it's like uh, yeah. it's hard um but it, it actually went in your favor for picking um Eli cassis you know you know now that all these players are kind of popping up especially rivals are really interesting uh so do you want to read the best rivals players for this tournament yeah so the if you were to pick four rivals members the best four you could have picked were stanislav sifka was the best one with 10 points uh and then there were three players that got nine points that's zachary keeney Eli cassis and cory burkhart yeah man but i picked two of those <laughs> you yeah i didn't pick any of those so man yeah, so that's where I really won is in the, the rivals picks. Yep. Uh, but it is interesting, yeah, that there were a lot of players that went unpicked here that, you know, were the most dominant players of the week. They just felt, I mean, we hadn't really had, this is our first uh, league weekend that was all historic, so, you know, there might have been some sleepers I didn't realize. I mean, I was thinking Allie was going to be a sleeper. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to stop talking about Allie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and of course, bad. your meta picks would have been Sultai and Jen Sack. Yeah, uh, And so if you add all those points together and assume that you get four points for the meta pick and four points for the, the top performing pick, your total would have been 75 points. So that is actually pretty far. I mean, like those, we those did picks pretty are hard. bad. <laughs> we did pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we're really close, but at least we're like the same tier. Right? Yeah. Right. We're both like gold players. Yeah, <laughs> <Whatever>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that feels, you know, I, it makes me feel better once we get the whole, you know, perfect score thing. Like for whatever um, reason, last time when I looked at, when I did the perfect score, I didn't feel as bad about like our teams yours was actually surprisingly close really close yeah uh, but this time i'm just like wow we we left a lot of points on the table here that's <laughs> i feel like there were a lot of just breakout players this time man yeah uh, no that's not even like true. seth manfield like, we and just, brad nelson we just yeah we just <laughs> left them on the board yeah. i mean because you want to you know i now i just realize i know that they're good but those are also players where I shouldn't leave them on the table. You know, like you know, you know, PV and uh, Gabe, you can't leave them there because right. you know they're so good. I think maybe Seth and Brad are also They've just added themselves to, that, to well. that list. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. As they the also, season like, goes on, people who are repeat performers start to emerge, and people who are maybe just one or two time performers, they start to drop, and so we'll start to be picking more of, know, the same of the same people. So we'll see. I mean, like, call time will shake things up. The next one is uh, standard. I think it's in, like, the 20s of February. So um, It's going to be basically uh, a brand-new format, right? Yeah. So it's not even just, like, standard. It's just, like, whatever standard is going to be then, which is pretty exciting. Like three Probably weeks, Rakdos. Three weeks into the new standard kind of thing. Yeah. So um, I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people playing a lot of Eldraine cards still. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, anyway, we have quite a few. This is about half. It's not even halfway. Uh, we're, we're getting closer to there. But we have another league weekend and then the uh, Kaldheim uh, Championship. 
Right. And then we have three league weekends in Strixhaven and that championship as well. So, right. you know, it's not over yet, but... But those Jeff, are kind of like the playoffs. So we're coming, we're starting to, you know, more than halfway yeah. through the kind of quote-unquote regular season part. Exactly. So, and Jeff's only up by one. The score is two to one now. Yeah, so I won um, uh, the first one we did. So a league weekend, you won the championship, and then I won this league Exactly. Weekend, so. so I'm thinking I'm probably going to win the next league weekend and then also well, the Well, I think the I've, I've shown that I win the league weekends and you win the championships. So let's just keep up no. with that system. Well, then I, I think we should redo how the points work because I think championships <laughs> are actually harder and worth more because okay. there's extra players <laughs> that you can't, you know, account for. So Yeah. Uh, it so would... I, uh, bef- before we like get new beers and everything, I did want to bring up that there was one player that brought Mono Red Burn uh, to this <laughs> league weekend. Way to go, uh, Ben. <laughs> ben Stark. Uh, good job, buddy. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I actually had something I wanted to, to sign off on before we got the beers, too. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. I just want to say that like, I don't want to boast too much about my victory, but I think it was pretty easy to foretell. Oh, God. <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> Perfect segue. All right. With that, I'm going to just stop recording and I'm just going to get another beer because I need one. <laughs> All right, Jeff, what you drinking? Hanlon's Point. Uh, hey. Naked guys in Toronto winter with coconuts. Yeah. I would like to say that they. it looks like they're on the island, so he's right. probably the Toronto a disc island. golfer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are the only people who go to the island, disc golfers. <laughs> It's the disc golfers and people that live on the island. Yeah. <laughs> I got Jacobson and Henderson's Nordic Lager. So here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Okay. All right. I want, I want it to sit with me a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to talk about it until later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just at the end. Um, but let's go into our next segment. Woohoo! Uh... I'm so excited by this name now. Yeah. We just came up with it today, so it's pretty fun. Yeah, um, what's, what's the name again? <laughs> it is Worth a Slot, and this is Call Time Spoilers Edition. Yeah. Ooh, so now we have we can have all these different editions. I'm excited. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be great. Um, so basically what we're going to do is we've both picked three cards uh, that we think uh, will slot in a deck. And basically we're just going to have a conversation or discussion of... Uh, Vocal joust? I don't know what the word is. Um, we're going to fight, and we're going to see, uh, basically try to explain why yours should be in a deck, and the other person's trying to explain why it shouldn't be in a deck, uh, and then we decide whether it's worth a slot or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. So, did we, it was did we say honestly, I have to go first? Uh, yeah, because you listed your yeah. card first. Honestly, though, okay. choosing the cards for this was so hard. There were so many different cards I wanted to pick, so. Yeah. That just shows that call time's cool. It's hard because well we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, this first one though, I don't I don't see how you could say no to this one. That's why I picked it. So obviously, number one, <clears throat> this is Doomscar. It's a white sorcery, three white white, uh, destroy all creatures. All right, and then it also has foretell one white white. So basically, we're looking at wraths. Okay. Wraths are always good. There's always going to be a slot for them in control decks or just decks in general. You will want to be able to Wrath, especially in white. Like, white is really good at doing that. Boom. So this is a Wrath. It's Wrath of God that costs one more if you just play it straight from your hand or... Well, it always... Okay. 
It's always gonna cost one more, but the problem with Wrath of God, a lot of the times when you're playing Historic is that by the if you're on the play, by turn four, you could already be dead. Especially if the fourth land that you have is a tapped land or something, some mana problems ensue or you don't have your second white or anything like that. Um, the second white isn't what this one helps with, but it does make it that you could play a Wrath on turn three, which I think is a really big deal. And the reason that you would try to weigh, do I play Wrath of God or do I play Doomscar? Because if you go turn two, foretell, turn three, Doomscar, that will save you against goblins. So you're playing, you're playing some, this in Historic? I think Over you can Wrath play this God. in Historic. I think that it's worth looking at for Historic. But let me turn my focus back to Standard. <laughs> <laughs> now that I know that, that Historic is going to be a lot harder. Um, what's the best White Wrath we have in Standard? Is Shatter this guy, right? Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of it. The one that lets your opponent yeah. draw cards. <laughs> yeah, this one doesn't let you your opponent draw cards. And if you do this on turn five, you can hold up a counter spell. You can hold up any two-drop counter spell. So they can't, you know, build their board back. I think that's pretty great. That's really good. A big reason, because then otherwise you would shatter this guy, let them draw a card, and then you'd have to be on turn six to make sure you hold up a counter against it. I don't know. Uh, also, you can hold up a counter spell just in case they don't want you to do it if you're playing against rogues. I think it seems pretty great. I don't see why you wouldn't slot this card. Um, <laughs> and maybe even in Historic, you could look at why you would want to play it over Wrath of God. All right. Nice pitch. Nice pitch. Uh, I do like to you know, commend you on starting off with a layup here. I mean, I, th I thought we were supposed to pick <laughs> cards that weren't obviously good. <laughs> um, I thought that, you know, we should just start the segment with... I, I am actually... You want to make sure the first one is actually going to be slotted because that makes... You know, <laughs> Sets the, the tone. other ones have to live up to it, right? Okay. Yeah, I actually am glad you brought this card up, though, because uh, I do think it's a bit overrated by the community in general. Like, I'm just seeing it pop up everywhere as three-mana Wrath of God, right? And yeah. obviously that would be an amazing card, but that's not what this is. So I just want to point out the, the huge thing. If you were casting this on turn three, it does mean you took turn two off. So you have to imagine a world where you want to turn three Wrath. That means you're getting beat down, like really hard. You, you don't want to turn three Wrath when your opponent just played like a three drop. That's not the most exciting thing in the world. And so yes. in this world where they go good one drop, good two drop, good three drop, and you're on the draw, and then you turn three wrath. Obviously, that's really strong. But I want to try to imagine what situations is that happening in, in standard. Like, if you're against Gruul Adventures, when you want to turn three wrath the most, they would go something like Innkeeper into, uh, like, Heart's Desire for another 1-1 one, one into Lovestruck Beast. Yeah. That's the most. Then you don't, that's like a creature every it, turn. That's the yeah. most kind of aggressive start I can really. Maybe the tur the two turn two play is actually um, brushfire elemental, right? Yeah. So, so maybe heart's desire, brushfire elemental, lovestruck beast. Even that, if you're just trying to keep them off a great hand or something, making sure that they can't untap on turn four with a questing beast, and you get rid of the other cards. Well, Questing Beast still gets you. You mean that you they don't untap with Lovestruck Beast? 
Yeah, what did I say? Questing Beast? Yeah. Sorry, I meant Love Struck Beast. Questing yeah, Beast. Yeah, they don't untap with... Questing Beast is one of the reasons I don't, I'm not super in love with the turn You don't, rap. okay. Um, but, so even in that scenario, I'm still imagining this is at best a two for one, right? Like, you're not... The point of Wraths is you're, oh, a five for one. But if your opponent went, like, Innkeeper, Love Struck Beast, you're kind of going to have to play this. And then they already drew a card, so that's like an even trade. I do think the second part you mentioned is why this card is really good. Um, being able to take turn five to foretell this and hold up a counterspell, and then turn six, play this and hold up a counterspell, is pretty huge. Like pr The big mm -hmm. part of Wraths is you Wrath, but then you're tapped out. They get to turn to use the mana. They play Questing Beast, and you're right back into the thick of things. But if you can play this on turn six with counterspell backup, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And with the foretell cards, you could actually do this on turn five and still have the foretell counterspell. Exactly. Yeah. So you have that. Um, the other thing that we didn't really talk about is that it, uh, and a lot of people are explaining this, and it, you know, I, I think it does have some merit. And I, I think um, not specifically with this card, I'm going a little bit off topic now, but uh, having a Wrath as a foretell card means that any foretell card you see, there's a possibility that it could be this card. Mm -hmm. So that will make other foretell cards possibly go up because you can bluff things like this. Um, but I do like the idea, like a lot of control decks, like your turn two, what are you doing most of the time? With, like, I feel like it would be viable enough to just throw this in foretell and just have it, not even for turn three, like, if you needed it on turn three, you could, but it can also just sit there until you want it. So it's not, like, necessarily you have to play it that next turn, um, but having it around for the nice conversion of, like, turns five on, you can make sure to wrath and play something else meaningful. Yeah. I think people are mostly overrating the possibility of turn two foretell, turn three this, because mm -hmm. in the situations where that's happening, even when you do this, you still took, like, seven damage. You know, like yeah. they still got to attack you with the, the early presence. This stuff before. Yeah. Because you took turn two off. So it's almost better to like take turn two to kill something, turn three, counter something, turn four, wrath of God. You know what I mean? That almost saves sure. you more. Um, I can see that. The other thing I want to say is just contextually, this card isn't great against any of the big players in standard right now. Obviously that might change, but it's not that good against Gruel Adventures because they have so much value built into their deck already that Wraths just aren't that good against them. And the best control deck right now is blue-black, which obviously wouldn't play this. So, I don't know. Is it worth a slot if none of these decks want it? Maybe. Maybe there's a lot of people that don't want to be playing, uh, let's say, white or anything because the Wraths aren't there. If this is a Wrath that people actually want to play, that they can side out all of their... Um, was it uh, Shatter the Skies and play Doomscar instead? I think people will be trying to put this together, and we could we can see something. I definitely think it's a piece, and whatever puzzle that's going to be, it's going to be one of the pieces in it for sure. All right, so we for need a verdict sure. then. Doomscar worth a slot. I I'm going to slot it right in. Yeah, right I think it's there. worth a slot as well. It's definitely <laughs> worth a slot. If later we find out it's not worth a slot, maybe we'll have an updated segment say, hey. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just edit this um, previous episode. And <laughs> yeah. Not I do think it's funny worth that a slot. I, I, yeah, not worth a slot. I do see a lot of like commander players talking about Doomscar as if it's like this amazing 
much better Wrath of God. I'm like, no, it's just play Wrath of God. Like in the scenario where you want to turn three Wrath, you really can't afford to take turn two off. That's kind of my gripe with that setup. I guess I see that. Uh, maybe, but maybe in Commander, I you still have a, enough life total to play with. But uh, no, I guess I mean in um, wanting to turn three Wrath, I feel like my turn two wasn't doing anything anyway. I was like scrying or something. Um, yeah, but if you like play my, like two mana instant speed removal, you're in a similar place. Because how much stuff could they have at turn three? I guess I'm thinking mainly, I don't know, goblins. Or, I don't really know. Um, or any just Ooh, like... You don't want to play this against any, goblins. Are you crazy? <laughs> uh, anyway, right. let's, go, let's go to yours. Let, let's talk about you. <laughs> my first card. It's a weird one, so bear with me. Tybalt's okay. Trickery. One and a red for an instant. It reads, counter target spell. That's right, one and a red for an instant counter target spell. Then it says, choose one, two, or three at random. Its controller mills that many cards, then exiles from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then they put the exiled cards in the bottom of their library in a random order. So effectively what this does is if you've ever seen like Transmogrify, which kills a creature, and then you flip creatures from the top of your library until you get a different one, it's just doing that for spells on the stack. It's countering the spell, and then you flip new stuff until you get a different spell. Um, mm -hmm. The reason that you have to have this random mill clause of, oh, choose one, two, or three at random, and then mill, is because otherwise you could put an awesome card on top of your own deck and then counter your own spell to get that awesome card. So this is kind of preventing you from making it that easy to set up your own stuff. Yeah. Um, that's all that clause is for. So if you think about it that way, that tells you what the card does. <laughs> the text is not as... It's like a really verbose way of saying, essentially, it's like polymorph for spells. Yeah. So let me, let me tell you why... This card is Okay, yeah, explain explain to me why. <laughs> so there are two two ways to play this card. The first way is in some sort of red white prison style deck where you make use of these cards that limit your opponent's ability to play spells at certain times. So if you have, for example, Dranith Magistrate, which says your opponent can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hand, then this is just a counter spell. Because whatever they reveal off the top will not be in their hand, and then they're not allowed to cast that new card. Then there's also Archon of Emeria, which is another, you know, white aggressive creature that says um, players can't cast more than one spell per turn. Again, that makes this just a hard one in a red counter target spell because, again, they won't be able to cast whatever they revealed because they already cast the first spell that you countered and they can't cast two spells in a turn. So I'm imagining some sort of ridiculous red-white prison-style deck that uses this as literally one in a red counter target spell, which you must admit would be pretty, would be a really good card, one in a red counter target spell. That's option number one. If you're boring, because here's option number two. <laughs> you play this in historic. You play four opt. You play one of this card. And then you play some number of Ulamog and the rest of your deck is land. <laughs> you mulligan until you have opt and this card. And on turn three, you cast opt, you counter it with this, 
You cannot hit any of the other ops in your deck because it can't hit the same name. You can't hit the lands, so you get Ulamog on turn three. Now you have to play enough Ulamog that you don't accidentally mill it with this random mill one, two, or three cards clause. <laughs> so four? So four is You don't the want four because you don't want to draw it in your hand. So. <laughs> But then, like, you, what if it's the top three or one? Well, Ulamog, Ulamog, Ulamog. And you rolled randomly the number three. I mean, that's just, you're out to lunch. Like, that would be hilarious. I would probably play two Ulamogs. Okay. Uh, this, this game plan will occur. It will work something like 75 to 80% of the time. Now, of course, any sort of interaction messes with it, you know? Spell Pierce kind Thoughtsies. of ruins your day. <laughs> well, Thoughtseize maybe, but maybe you're just trying to draw off the top. Yeah, if they get rid of your Tibble's Trickery, you're kind of screwed. But You're pretty screwed. But hey, you could win on turn three by casting yeah. an Ulamog. And you do get to cast it, so you exile their two lands. <laughs> oh, so they can't Doomscar you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ulamog's okay. indestructible, so Doomscar That's true, that's true. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, okay. Right. I must have convinced um, so, you with those two awesome decks. I would like to say the first deck, um, why are you not just playing white-blue if you're trying to counter stuff? You could play a prison deck and actually play just regular counters that don't worry about creatures being on the battlefield on your side um, that might give them some free stuff. I'll, tell you, I'll like, tell you why. Because Draneth okay. Magistrate also hoses Doomscar. <laughs> and every foretell card yeah. <laughs> yeah nice tech go get a bunch of those because they might be useful yeah and then they might not and then you'll be mad that you use your wild cards no because you're playing this um, deck right tier one yeah so <laughs> yeah um i just think it's a lot of hoops to jump through just to make sure that red has a counter spell when the other cards in your deck don't have to be red so you, then you don't need to be playing red at all and you could just be playing blue and you could just be countering like a just a regular person yeah but it's not a control deck right it's supposed to be like a beatdown deck you're playing creatures that also kind of inhibit your opponent you're hoping to win on turn five and this kind of puts you over the edge like counter that yeah okay so you're saying there are other red cards in this deck that are beatdowns yeah yeah this is like a cheap okay. white red creature deck and then it just gets to play this one in a red counter spell it just happens to have it just seems like the well, okay, all right. Um, for the thought experiment, I get that. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's pretty good in that situation. Um, if you don't, I mean, it's a dead card in your hand. Basically, if you don't have that, because giving them something for free is pretty bad. And depending on who, like almost who, anyone <laughs> hey, you're playing could it be. It could be a horrible. bad card that they flip. That's true. Okay, if you're playing, uh, if you're playing against rogues, there are a lot of situational cards that could be pretty bad. Um, but also they could just flip it into the story and then you're like, well, actually you're, <laughs> you might try to be countering it into the story, but, um, it, uh, it seems iffy to me. Um, I feel like there's just other things you could do that might be better for that slot. And then you're just going to be holding up this thing that you just won't ever really, it just, I just think it's not going to get there in, in that deck. But in a um, pickle, you could cast your one drop and then use this on yourself and just, just hope. That's right. true. In a pickle. I the do dream like that. is always I'm, alive. <laughs> so the the countering your own stuff and then going, you know, find that, I'm a lot more interested in. Um, I have played decks that are similar to that. I was playing the treasure hunt deck uh, where you, you're basically <laughs> yeah. just playing four copies of treasure hunt and Thassa's Oracle and everything else is islands. 
Um, it's kind of fun at first, but then it gets really, really dull. Um, yeah, we're so, talking about like super competitive tier decks here, Zach. It's all about winning. Okay, sorry. Um, I don't think anyone brought that treasure hunt deck. To... <laughs> you know, the problem with the treasure hunt deck is you take it into the play queues because you don't want to lose rank. And then you mm. only face the mirror match because it matches you up based on rarity count. <laughs> and then you just, you're just playing treasure hunt against everybody else. It's very true. Um, uh, I think this card, I don't know, it seems fairly iffy to me. Very splashy and cool. Um, but the reason I like the Transmorgify decks better is because there's more uh, solid stuff where you're getting the creature you for sure want, and you can still build that deck uh, with Transmorgify and a bunch of tokens and no other creatures except for Ulamog. Um, so it feels like a stretch to try to build it into that deck. That deck um, can't do a turn three, though. That's true. It'll be turn four instead. <laughs> yeah, if it gets lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what do we think worth yeah, a so slot I definitely think it's worth a slot because it's worth a try <laughs> I definitely think it's worth a try I think it's cool enough um, I would do it I would probably even just play it uh, just for fun because I just want to <laughs> let's it. just see what you oh you got an Ugin oh, oh. Yeah. yeah I guess I shouldn't have brought this Sorry. in it's my teamer ramp opponent <laughs> oh you hit yeah. Genesis ultimatum oh okay okay <laughs> well, if you're countering a Genesis Ultimatum, they can't get another one. No. Although that, that deck is just full of... Could hit Ugin, though. Just fucking bombs. <laughs> yeah, you could just hit. Um, so I do like the idea of maybe having a one-of in, in another deck where they don't see it coming, and that'd be pretty funny. I love this card. This is like my... Um, you know, it, it's my modern era MTG Arena version, I guess, of my... <laughs> Of, you know, the card they denied me. <laughs> yeah. That Dubious challenge. <laughs> because it's just like, um, how I, could this card ever be good? But you actually have to, you have to work really hard to make this card good, and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also think it's nice that they are bringing <clears throat> some counters back to red, because red does have counters, and it has had counters in the past. They're always situational and weird like this, and I think this is a really good design for one. Um, the only one I can think of is Pyroblast, but... Uh, there's one from uh, Invasion Block that basically says uh, you choose a spell and then you and that player exchange uh, losing life. And so you say, <laughs> I, I'll take five life. And they're yeah, like, yeah. I'll take seven life. And you keep doing that until someone gives up. And if you don't win, uh, then the, the spell's countered. Uh, right. So it's counter-target spell if you have more life than your opponent. <laughs> essentially, yeah. Um, or if you're like, you know, 10 and they're like, fuck it, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And then you just like let go of it. Um, that's fun in multiplayer. Cause it's like, are we both going to torpedo ourselves here? <laughs> are we doing this right now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a game yeah. of chicken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's pretty fun. I, I like that idea. So this also, it doesn't have the chicken sense to it, but it does have like a, ah, uh, it's a fucking gamble. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, well, my favorite part so, yeah. of uh, transmogrify is, is the like, the corner case where you use it on your opponent's unbeatable threat and hope you get something worse. <laughs> please, 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 please. Yeah. So at least this one has the clause that it can't be the same thing, so that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one to keep this train rolling. All right. This guy, I don't know what I'm going to say about this guy, but I just picked him and I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Uh, so this is <clears throat> a legendary creature. This is Jorn, God of Winter. Two and a green for a 3-3 three, three 
Legendary snow creature god. Whenever Jorn attacks, untap each snow permanent you control. And on the flip side, it has, it is, sorry, uh, Cauldring the Rhyme Staff. Rhyme Staff? That's how mm-hmm. you say that, right? Um, one blue black for a legendary snow artifact. Tap it. You, uh, sorry, you may play target snow permanent card from your graveyard this turn. If you do, it enters the battlefield tapped. So mo- most of what I'm talking about is I'm more interested in Jorn himself. Um, three, three for three. Great rate. Um, I'm assuming you're just going to play all snow-covered lands. <laughs> yeah, I guess. All the, all the three threes. You know we have love like struck beast, right? Right? It's a three, three for five? Um, <clears throat> five, five for three. Uh, yeah, sorry. That's what I meant. <laughs> Other way around. Scratch it, reverse it, flip it. Um, anyway, but you it just from a just talking about cards, three, three for three is just like normal. Okay, that's got it. It's not below rate. It's not above rate. It's on rate. Okay, and it ramps the shit out of you basically <laughs> because it has pseudo vigilance itself. Because so your all your lands are going to be snow in this deck, right? And you attack with it on turn four, and you untap all of your lands again. But what I'm most excited about is that. Not only are you going to have this card, you're also playing green, so you're probably also going to have your Lovestruck Beast in your deck, and you're probably playing Great Henge as well. So look at this turn four. Look at this turn four. Okay. <clears throat> I'm painting a picture, I'm looking. Right? I'm looking. All right. So turn three, you play Jorn, right? Turn four, you play uh, your land, and then you get to Heart's Desire into Lovestruck Beast. Then you attack with Jorn. He untaps, untap your lands, and then second main, you can tap out and play your... Uh, <laughs> You can play Great Henge. Boom. Look at that. <laughs> it all worked out. Wait, what did Jorn do there? <laughs> Couldn't I just turn three, uh, Lovestruck Beast, turn four, Great Henge? No, because this way you get to do, you get, it's out of nowhere. They didn't see this <laughs> see. one, right? Right? It was just like, boom, what? I can't believe that. Um, I did look through uh, the other snow creatures to see if there's any like tappy things that mm. seem interesting in Sultai. Um, there, uh, there aren't a lot of great tap abilities. There are some looters well, I mean, and things that... If you're playing this card, you might also have Cauldring the Rhyme Staff out, which is not bad to untap. Exactly. So um, being able to play Snow Permits from your graveyard, especially this one when it dies, but uh, any of the other like snow things, or you can possibly have... Um, because it says play, you could do some stuff with... Uh, What's that card from Zendikar Rising that makes you sack a land and like put two more into the battlefield? Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, if you're sacrificing your lands and they go into your graveyard, you can roiling. Uh, yeah, something like that. Roiling. No, royal eruption is the damage spell. Not royal eruption, but it's yeah. anyway. It's the green one. Uh, but anyway, if you have snow lands in your graveyard, you can play them off of the rune staff if you would like. Um, so there's possibly something in there as well. Um, I don't know what it is exactly, uh, <laughs> but I know that something's going to happen with this, and it's definitely going to get slotted in many decks. All right. Um, because attack triggers are good. All right. <laughs> and so, not so you're a big fan when they of trigger on players. Uh, no, I mean something when they attack, it triggers, not something that triggers and I can pay for it. Uh, and this isn't like Sword of Feast and Famine where you hit somebody and then your lands untap. This just you attack and they untap. So, so I'd like to start off by saying that uh, I hate this card. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't think there's a universe where this card is just good. It's either like oppressive or bad. And I hate cards like that. <laughs> Anytime they let you untap all your lands, it's it's dumb or you know, it does nothing. But like I don't know. Haven't we played against Wilderness Reclamation enough to know that untapping all your lands is brutal? Um, no, but this is only but your snow lands. Oh, I see. Because so. you might have been an idiot and put non-snow lands in the deck with this, right? Yeah, I mean, like, pathways. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you can't do the castle thing, I guess, that... Uh, yeah, exactly. That Wilderness Rec let you do. No, I mean... Maybe the fact that it's a 3-3 is enough to make this too bad and they have to untap with it and attack with it. Like, that's a tall order. But it is very close to 3-3 three, three for 3. If you don't kill me, I'm going to win the game because it's just so much extra mana. <laughs> like the, Now you're untapping on turn 4 with 8 mana. And then, like you said, any other possible additional synergies from other snow permanents. Mm-hmm. Um, also, isn't this literally just the guy from Game of Thrones? Like, I didn't read those books or watch the show, but isn't, like, Jorn literally just a character in Game of Thrones and it's it's winter there or something? People are um, complaining about how this is a little too on the nose, like Game of Thrones reference. Oh, really? <laughs> I watched the first few seasons of Game of Thrones. I don't remember Jorn. Uh, he's like Jorn been, Snow I... because he's a snow creature. Oh, I have no idea. Maybe um, it's Jon Snow. Oh, you mean Jon Snow. Uh, so oh, this is Jorn Snow. Oh, he doesn't look anything like Jon Snow, though. No, but his name is Jorn, and he's Snow, so people are like, it's a little too on the nose with Game of Thrones. Oh. I, I thought people just hated Game of Thrones now, so they're going to stop talking about it and pretend it never existed. No, no, people never it's... stop talking about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> people still complain about Lost, man. <laughs> well, actually, so, random tangent. I'm just going to go on this real quick, because you just yeah. brought up Lost. Um, <laughs> no mistake, so, you're an actor. I should If you, yeah, so, um, if you're a person who watched Lost while it was on the air, um, you hate it. Just anyone you talk to, if they were watching it week to week, they hate it. If you talk to a person like me, who watched the entire series after it was over, and you already knew the ending was going to be garbage, um, you actually like it quite a bit. It's pretty good. You're yeah. like... That's pretty crazy, but like I kind of was on board for it because after season three, I was like, this is going to be fucking crazy. And it was pretty crazy. You're like, whatever. That's weird. It's an island. I don't know. There's some stuff in the middle. Maybe they're dead. There's time travel. Who knows? You're, you're Loved like, it. You're just sitting back eating popcorn and being like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but lost. Yeah. I'm lost. I'm lost. Uh, there you go. I think that's what the whole point of the show was to actually yeah, make you just, feel lost. It was just too advanced for people. Yeah. yeah. It's too over um, and yeah, no, I'm about... on the same expectation management train, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, uh, I totally understand that. And I'm sure if I went and watched all of Game of Thrones right now and watched the ending, I would be like, man, it wasn't that bad. Um, yeah. But if I was anticipating something that was amazing, um, you know, I'd probably right. be upset. Exactly. Too. I only watch stuff when it's been, you know, <laughs> over for years and people have locked in their reviews. Exactly. Uh that's uh, how I liked music for a long time, was just like, I only like bands that people think are awesome. Oh, yeah, me uh, too, me too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't want to be and the guy like, listening to the, you know, 10 shitty records for every one that he finds that doesn't suck, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, um, I mean, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I like Taylor Swift. I loved 1984, or 1984, 1989. Uh, and then after that, she had a terrible record that was garbage. And uh, I was like, eh, I don't like that one so much. But then she came back. I was like, okay, I like this one now. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I like folklore, like, yeah. actually. Yeah. 
yeah, Folklore is pretty good. Evermore is all right. Um, but I'm much better with like, you know, now I don't, it doesn't define me as much as it used to, you know, when you're younger and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, your yeah, interests and your likes <laughs> define your entire being. You're like, I am the person that yeah. likes this I'm thing. Like, no I one like, can like it more Seinfeld than and the Beatles. Uh, I'm pretty um, sure I was not the first <clears throat> one to discover these things, but I think I'm the best though. Cause you can't talk about how mine is not good. So right. <laughs> I'm great. And that's kind of what that feeling is. Um, Anyway, going back to Jorn. Oh, yeah. Fuck um, this card. Uh, <laughs> I do like... So, actually, this is the first time I'm realizing... Are, are all the gods, their god side and their non-god side the same uh, mana, uh, the same CMC? No. Okay. Well, I like the fact that this one is. Uh, you can play either side on turn three, depending on your color restrictions. So, um, I think the most is... egregious divergence from that is Valky, which is like a two drop, and then Tybalt's a seven drop. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, you're very right. Um, I actually knew that. I don't know why. <laughs> Some of the other ones with the equipment I wasn't exactly sure about. But um, I do like the flexibility of that. So it's either... So like when the card's put together, it's kind of like all Sultai. But it's always going to cost three. So it's either the green side or like the Demir side. Um, but if it seems like a bad situation, I don't know why on turn three you wouldn't want to play. Jordan, it is nice to see them getting... Can. Sultai ramps some love. That's an archetype that's just, you know, needed a lot of help here for a long yeah, time. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely so, haven't beaten us to death with these fucking Sultai cards. <laughs> it's basically so you can play Uro on turn four, yeah. attack with Jorn, and then... Escape See, Uro on the same turn. When they were developing this, they thought it would be an interesting that this deck would have to maybe make a decision whether to play Uro or this card, you know? So, like, turn three, yeah. three drop. Turn three is really... I don't know. You're just going to play both. It is interesting because you, you see a lot of cards that hate on graveyards here that were clearly designed with the expectation that Uro would be in standard, and so they're, like, anti-Uro cards. Exactly. And you're like, oh, too late. A year, yeah. a year's too long. Yeah, you banned it, um, so... In the arena world, yeah. I think. And they're, they're starting to see that a little bit. Um, like we were talking about before, give the, the pieces uh, to combat earlier and give the problems later so that you already right. had the pieces. And I like that they did ban it, even though they know stuff's coming out to try to help deal with it. They're not like, well, this might help. They're right. like, because then it comes Wait out. Wait a few months like, and maybe we'll help you out. <laughs> and really just ruin the whole you know year. Anyway, yeah. um, let's just go to evaluation. because Not worth a slot. Yeah, after talking about this, I don't, I don't really care that much about it. I just want to talk about him. <laughs> Screw um, you, Jorn. I think there's something. Jorn's got something in there. Yeah. Um, but it might just be the commander player and me being like, this don't, is Don't play busted. this card because I don't want to play against it. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably just play it uh, for right. just to see if I can do it. My uh, next let's card. Let's move on to the next one. One I'm very excited about. All right. Cardrewer's Vicious Return. This is two Ooh. black red for an enchantment saga. So, chapter one of the saga. You may sacrifice a creature. When you do, Carter's Vicious Return deals three damage to any target. Chapter two, each player discards a card. Chapter three, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put a plus one, plus one counter on it. It gains haste until your next turn. All right, so yeah. this is something that people, you know, our, our uh, cherished listeners may or may not know. Because I don't know if I've ever mentioned it. <laughs> I legitimately don't know if they know this or not. I love reanimator strategies. Mm -hmm. That's just like one of do. my one of my favorite 
like yeah. decks to play, especially when they're not that good. I don't like reanimator strategies when they're good because then they're oppressive. But when they're like, okay, that's the best. Uh, this, when you're building a reanimator deck, you need three things. You need something to reanimate. You need a way to reanimate them. So reanimate means like cheating a big creature into play from your graveyard. So you need a way to do that. And then you need a way to get that creature into the graveyard in the first place. What I love about this card is that it's two of those things. It lets you discard a card on chapter two, which is putting something huge into the graveyard, presumably. And then chapter three brings it back into play and gives it haste. So you can choose something that really benefits from attacking right away that normally wouldn't get to attack right away. Like Jorn. Uh, yeah, you could play Jorn if you're dead inside, or <laughs> in this fucking. <laughs> or no, let me name some stuff we got for you instead. Okay, all right, all right. So, first thing my mind went to, and it's it's not the worst. Massacre Worm. Mm, oh, pretty good, pretty good. You know, it's more interesting though to me. Morag Fury of Akum. Okay. Bring this back for free. It gets haste. Play a land. Your opponent's got to be dead. <laughs> if you had any sort of creature before the Morag, the Morag almost does it on its own. If you play a Fabled Passage, Morag kills on, on its own because it does uh, <laughs> 6, 7, 8, <laughs> which is 21 damage. That sounds pretty good. So I like that. Uh, there's got to be other big 7 and 8 drops that are coming out, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, there's that demon. Um what is it? Yeah. It's the demon that goes finds other demons. Uh, burning rune demon. Right. Yeah. It's that 6-6 six, six flyer. It's not bad. It like um, goes and gets any two cards. Uh, or you have to get two, that have two cards different not names. named. Yeah, not named burning rune And then rune your demon. opponent chooses which one you get. Um, yeah. Not bad. And they go, bad. It goes into your hand, but... Um, I mean, uh, there's Terror there's of Mount Velus which is like a 5-5 five, five flying double strike that gives all your other stuff double strike. You know, mm. there's some fun stuff you could do with this. So what I love about this card is that it solves two of the reanimator problems in one go by letting you discard a card. Mm -hmm. And then its front face is presumably a removal spell. It's totally fine. Yeah. Even if you're... Oh, wait. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm on the wrong side. Um, yeah, no. Okay, I see how that could be interesting, but the card's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that you don't have to spend the mana on the turn you're reanimating the thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is usually a big problem. You have to like tap out to reanimate something and then pass. <laughs> no, I um I think the first the first chapter, I mean uh four mana sack a creature and deal three damage is you know horrible. Not super that, exciting. That would be really bad. <laughs> It's really if that's bad. all it did, um, that would be horrible. <laughs> no, but we're, we're in this for chapter three, baby. <laughs> I see chapter three. I see how two goes into chapter three, or even one at the very least, if you don't have anything in your hand. Um, that also makes sense. I uh, no, I'm having a hard time. I think this seems pretty sweet. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew you would no love idea. it. I think. I it's too hard. Be like, um, I don't no. know. Should I say this is bad because I think it's bad? But I knew you would yeah, just love I don't, it. I love the yeah, concept. It's, <laughs> no, it's too hard. I, I do love the. Um, I mean, in M twenty one draft, I love uh, what is it? 
playing the uh, the big whale into my graveyard on turn two, and yeah. then on turn five, uh, which is still an option here. You could play Grixis. Yeah, you, <laughs> you could play Grixis. You could throw that in there. Um, but the fact that it lets you do it's just like an all in package right here. Mm-hmm. Um, is so strong. Like all you need is a creature. Um, it has the other two pieces. So, uh, yeah, you just gotta. I will definitely sure be it, playing but... this with Morag, and when mm-hmm. I pull that off, I'm gonna be very happy. Yeah, this seems sweet, and I like the haste too. Yeah, it's just good. It's too hard for me to say that I don't like it because I really like <laughs> worth it. Worth a slot. Um, I didn't even. I don't even think I read it before, and, and I'm just <laughs> <laughs> the first time. Damn, this is like pretty dope. Um, yeah, no, I think it's definitely worth a slot. Yes, Slotted worth in. a slot. <laughs> um, as we're getting to our last two picks, I am really realizing that we're going a little long and my beer is a little low. Yeah. Um, do you think we should take a break and just come back and talk about these cards? And then, <laughs> and then yeah, a lot more about that, you know, yeah, we're no stranger okay. to long episodes. So. We definitely are not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's a beer break. Yeah. So what's your last card, Zach? All right, here we go. Um, I am talking about Mystic Reflection. It's one and a blue for an instant. Choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. And it has foretell for just a single blue mana. Okay. Tell me what you're going to do with this. (laughs) So basically, what I want to do with this is just fuck up anything my opponent is trying to do. Okay. Um, I'm not as interested in making my own stuff into things that I have, obviously, because that just doesn't... There's probably a deck for that, but what I'm actually looking at is I want to play this card, Mystic Reflection, into my opponent's collected company. Right? If If I foretell this early... Yeah. I just anytime I just hold a blue for the rest of the game, and anytime something I don't like is on the stack, I can just pay the blue and turn it into the worst thing on the board. But it just seems so much fun to have someone play Collected Company and just make sure whatever comes off of it turns into the worst thing probably on my board. Um, so I'm making sure I have one one bullshit tokens. Uh, maybe I'm playing like. Um, What's that card? Uh, Heliod's uh, something. Uh, the flash enchantment that uh, gives you two soldiers and a, a gains you two life. Um, um, Omen. A Omen of the Omen, Sun. That's what yeah. it is. No, sun, Omen, Omen of, the, of sun. the Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Omen of the Sun. So you play that um, or anything that just has like bullshit creatures. So you can turn their shit into bullshit. Um, that sounds great. This goes against um, anyone who's trying to play Ugin. They put Ugin on the stack, boom, it's a 1-1, one, one, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounds so good. Any of those, any of that, that bullshit, the, the Tibble's trickery stuff, boom. <laughs> okay, but why would that be, this be better than a counterspell? So. Because a counterspell means they get nothing. <laughs> they don't get a 1-1. One, one. This is true. But this costs one blue. Okay. Well, it goes and it's two one blue and keep one up. blue. Well, one blue when you play it. You can yeah. hold up one blue for so yeah, long. Yeah, it's, it's two and a blue split over two different turns. Yes. And the turn you know you're going to foretell it, that's totally fine. Um, I just think it's going to be It's more fun. So I'll give you that. <laughs> it's super but fun. Isn't I mean, this like, like awfully close to a worse essence gather <laughs> that requires like setup and then... <laughs> okay. All right. Let's... Um, 
I guess it hits Planeswalkers. Uh, it hits Planeswalkers. It hits Planeswalkers. Um, I guess, you know what? You can also upgrade your shit if you want to. Um, I love the idea we can of talk turning their side. Planeswalker into a creature. I think the Planeswalker thing into the creature is great. I wonder if you can like, play a creature that's actively bad to have that you could give them, you know, that would make this better than a counterspell. <laughs> like something that just taxes you? your own mana or something. like. Or uh, what's that... Um, no, I guess that black 6-6 six, six is really good, though. I like it. Wizards just doesn't <laughs> the, print creatures that are bad for you to have now. <laughs> I mean, you could play... Were you thinking Clackbridge Troll? I mean, you could play that. No, I was kind of thinking um, from this set. What is that card? It's the... Uh, oh, it's the le- the god. It's like oh. two and two two black. Egon, the six, god six. of the dead. Yes, that one. Um, if they don't have creatures in their graveyard to... Exactly. So then... They get they lose it because generally giving them dope. a six six death touch doesn't sound awesome. But <laughs> it's probably <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I, I was thinking rotting resi- rotting regisaur. Oh, first. that makes them discard. Um, yeah, but then uh, but then I realized that you can't still, have that one right now. So it's still pretty huge too. Like <laughs> still pretty because the only cards that do bad stuff are really huge yeah they have drawbacks um, for a reason right there yeah, are no so there are not, no like oh ones with a serious drawback it's just a, <laughs> it's just a goat that like eats your lands <laughs> just like an oh one for one that makes you sacrifice a land each turn yeah. uh if only if we had something like that then this card would be great <laughs> see i think to but play this card you have to be interested in both halves you have to be interested in downgrading your opponent's stuff and also the possibility of upgrading your own of stuff. Of upgrading your own stuff. So no legendary creatures in your deck. Right. Um, and just playing like the best card or best creatures that are not legendary, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's right. You can't choose Egon, because the Lord, God of the Dead. Oh, that's true, right, because it's a god, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, that, so that even stops. Our listeners <laughs> were yelling at that. us for being idiots, but we got there. <laughs> yeah, we got there. Eventually yeah. we got there. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> our, our bad plan, luckily, is impossible. <laughs> so there you go. Um, <laughs> is that New Kraken? Is that, could you play that one? I don't think that one's legendary. That one's not legendary, I don't think. Icebreaker Kraken. But why would you want to give there them you go. that? <laughs> no, you give yourself another Icebreaker <laughs> yeah, Kraken. <yeah. laughs> so you tap down their stuff, and then on the next turn, you play a 1-1, one, one, turn it into an Icebreaker Kraken, or whatever card you have. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you, like, you, you play Morog, right? <laughs> okay. Then you, you play... play some... <laughs> oh, wait, is that legendary? Fuck legendary yeah that's legendary you play something that like stacks really well and then you play this and then you just unload token makers and you just get like eight copies Uh, of this thing that stacks so you add blue to mono green food you play troll kings (laughs) boom mono green food already gets just four troll kings out of nowhere you know (laughs) you don't need eight troll kings (laughs) (laughs) they could though this could they play a gilded goose boom troll king (laughs) It's funny that you at, say add blue to mono green food because the deck used to be blue green. <laughs> then, <laughs> then they banned uh, Oko, and then it's like, well, let's just play mono and green. Like, <laughs> That's funny. That was before my time. I do not know of the Oko times. Oh, yeah, you haven't, you haven't played against Oko? Yeah, it's not fun. I, 
He seems fine. I don't know. Yeah, I give it a try. <laughs> no, I have one. I, I know how busted they are. Uh, um, all right, worth a slot. Mystic reflection. I gotta say, this is no. hard. I gotta say no. <laughs> so it is hard because I did make this segment sound like worth a shot, and it's definitely worth a shot. Um, <laughs> is it though? It's so bad. <laughs> it's worth. It, I think it's worth a shot. It seems pretty fun. I feel um, like it's a lot of setup for a pretty mediocre payoff. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, it's fun. Yeah. Okay. It is fun. So. This we'll is now see. the rare know. that's going to somehow become the busted rare. If the set, I'm going to lose to it. And in three weeks, you'll hear me complaining <laughs> about how they print such an obviously powerful card. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say like, this, well, this card is bad. <laughs> it was not worth it. Um, yeah. I still think I'll probably try to do something with it, but um, I... I I don't have super high hopes, but I do love the idea of just turning an Ugin into a one one. So um, I, I love that an, you took the took a bit of a flyer on it, and we're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this card, but I know I'm gonna try to do something. It's gonna be something, you know. I was just ramping up from uh, Doomscar, right? Yeah. Doomscar for sure. <laughs> this I don't know, ramping but we'll down. try it. Yeah. Uh, well, I love that oh, that was well. your take because it's like the perfect segue for my next card, which is also right. something that. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but, but I know I'll mm -hmm. do something. <laughs> so yeah. this, okay, this is like it. the first card previewed or something. It's been, it's been in the noodle for a while, but we couldn't really yeah. figure out what it, how good it is until we see more of the set. So this is Pyre of Heroes. It's an artifact for two mana. It has two and tap and sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with the sacrificed creature and has converted mana cost equal to one plus that creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. And the safety text, activate this ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. Just wah, to make wah, sure it's not super broken. Wah, wah on that last one. But um, yeah, cards like this have historically seen play. Uh, the obviously most famous example is Birthing Pod. I don't know if you've ever played against Birthing Pod, but this is basically yes. Birthing Pod, but we've added, uh, we've made it cost what it's supposed to cost because there's no stupid Phyrexian mana here, um, but also we've added a lot of extra riders here. Namely, it has to share a creature type with whatever you sacrifice, mm -hmm. which was not a condition on Birthing Pod. Uh, and the idea is you kind of go up the ladder on this. You sack a two drop to get a three drop, sack that three drop to get a four drop, sack that four drop to get a five drop. And each creature that you're getting at that curve comes in and does something awesome when it enters the battlefield, and then you're happy to exchange it for something new. Yeah. And namely, uh, with Birthing Pod stuff, it's something that untaps the Birthing Pod so you get to do it again. Well, well that's the thing. That's like the combo way to do it, right? But yes. there's actually... I, but that's... That's usually what they're worried about, right? Yeah. And with the creature type clause, it stops that stuff from happening because all those cards are not the same creature type. Yeah. Um, but originally, the Birthing Pod decks uh, were just kind of value-oriented, where it's like, yeah, we might have some combos in here, but mostly these creatures are just awesome enters-the-battlefield creatures, and it's mm -hmm. really good to just cycle into them every turn. This is obviously a bit worse because it has a higher deck building cost. You have to make sure that you have creature types. But I really think the fact that we have enough shapeshifters in this deck, will, in this uh, set, will let you put something together. Because you can chain something of one creature type into a shapeshifter into a different creature type. 
I mean, that's cool. Because they are, sorry, Changeling is what I mean. But, uh, yeah, Changeling can, can do that. Um, I wonder, I do like the idea, we were talking about, uh, sorry, this is me just talking about cool cards again. What am I yeah. doing? Go ahead. Yeah, it's, yeah. sorry. Go back to you. Uh, so I don't know, I was trying to build a chain earlier because we do have, as you mentioned, we do have Corridor Monitor in Standard, which untaps an artifact when it enters the battlefield. And then there's like cards that, uh, there's a new card in this set, six drop, it brings back a two drop from your graveyard for free. So it brings back the corridor monitor you sacrificed when you get all the way up to six. Uh, the problem is there's no like game winning seven to get to. Um, again, I kind of want to just ramp up into Morog. <laughs> I, I feel like just cheating out Morog <laughs> is sick. Um, but I actually think just as a value engine in like an elves deck or in a giants deck, this isn't necessarily the worst. As long as you have reasons to want to sacrifice your own permanence, like this, to me, this kind of goes in a sacrifice deck. Um, I really wish it wasn't activate as a sorcery. Like it could have been activate on your turn and uh, Mm -hmm. did a similar thing to what they want. But that way you could do something dumb like play Kroxa and then with the trigger on the stack, sack it uh, to go get a three drop, um, which I don't think is so busted that needed to be prevented. Uh, it would yeah. just actually give the card some play because you still have to go get, what, a giant? A three-mana giant? You're probably getting Bone Crusher Giant. Like, is that so busted? Anyways, yeah. yeah, I think this card's really sweet, and I think someone will come up with something to do with this card. Um, I was trying to think of some chain that just combos the game out, and there's enough there that there's something to work with, like Corridor Monitor, and then get Corridor Monitor back, and uh, then uh, bring a Shapeshifter in, the one that copies s- some other creature, uh, the five drop that copies something. Like You could amass something here, but... Uh, I think there's going to be like 10 bad Pyre of Heroes decks for every one good Pyre of Heroes deck, but uh, totally. I think someone will get there with this card. Um, yeah, I think it is interesting. I don't think it's going to be uh, strong. I, um, It seems fun. Um, the Giants thing seems... Uh, I don't know if it fits in that deck, but... Um, I do like the idea of having like the Golgari elves and then you go find an elf and then you go find a warrior after the elf and then because there's a lot of elf warriors and things right, like that. Right, that's and, the idea of this card is there's and a lot of overlap in berserkers. Like there's angel berserkers and elf yeah. berserkers and, and, and zombie and berserkers. And, berserkers. Uh, so that that seems pretty interesting to me. I do like that idea of, of like, oh, I have to go in this kind of order and, um, and you can have multiple pyre of heroes that are doing different things or whatever. But um, uh, ultimately it's... Uh, uh, it seems. I love that most of what's going on with this card happens while you're building your deck, and I think wizards should print more cards like that. Like you're really, oh, I could chain this berserker into this one, and then that angel into that one, and then that into this, you know, and that's really cool. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I, 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 I get that idea. Um, oh, and then I just need a changeling at this part of the curve to really smooth everything out. And yeah, so like I hope I can find one that's like a four drop that's really. Yeah, I, I see that. Um, it seems it seems okay. Uh, yeah, um, for the most part, these these kinds of things like it has a ton of text for me, and um, 
the deck building part of it, it like the gameplay part seems less exciting because I already kind of know what I'm supposed to do. And if I can't get there, I just don't, you know, but it's it just fun to have... execute on the plan you came up with during deck building, you know, that's like where yes. the fun of these types of cards comes in. Yeah. I guess I just mean like, I know that if it's consistent enough, it will lose its, um, Oh, I agree. This is one of those cards that if it's in a tier one deck, that sucks because people just neck deck that someone has figured it out and then they, yeah. They well, even it. just like playing, it seems less exciting. Cause you're just, you're like, okay, well if I get that and then I do this then I do, and it's just like you're, you're, um, speed running the, the game. This is what commander's of. all about, man. You come up with a plan in deck building and then it's just exciting to execute it. Not if you are playing my decks. <laughs> your deck's yeah, all about decks trading are... life totals with your opponent to counter their spell. <laughs> <laughs> no my decks are just about one shotting one player and then losing to the other two is yeah, usually what it might it's be called making play. friends right <laughs> yeah yeah basically <laughs> or, or that's wait, all you have to do friends. right 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 no all, no this is what you do so if you go to a, a commander night and you want to be the competitive one that really one shots one person all you have to do is bring extra beers for them so when you kill them you can give them a beer and be like hey bud drink this while you're waiting <laughs> and then then they're totally fine. Like they're like, okay. They go well, from wow, I, I hate this fucking Zach guy. Oh man, Zach's so nice. Give me a beer. <laughs> he, he gives me beer. Maybe bring a bottle of whiskey. Give him some whiskey while they, you know, get yeah. him liquored up. Next game, kill him again. <laughs> give him more <laughs> beer. Go for the same guy. Sorry, I just enjoy your company, and I know I'm gonna be. It's just fun. <laughs> hey, do you want to? You can look at my hand, like, and you get to kind of play together. You want to go play Mortal exactly? Kombat while they're finishing this game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're kind of like I, I know what my turn's gonna be for the next four turns. I'm just gonna play lands and do nothing. So yeah. we could. Just play Mortal Kombat. That sounds great to me. I love that. Um, but no, Pyre of Heroes, um, it, it, it looks like other cards that we've seen. Um, it's uh, It does seem interesting. You could you, you try to put something together, but I, I probably won't slot it in anything. It's it's not something I'm going to... Um, I'm not going to slot it. So you're saying worth a slot, it is not. It is not worth a slot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually don't think it's going to be that good either, but... Uh... I'm, I like this kind of card, so I wanted to talk about it. I like that oh, for sure. the interesting part of this card happens during deck building. Um, mm-hmm. And I know like we actually espouse net decking here a little bit, but I also don't want to make people shy away from building their own decks. No, building your decks is uh, great. Um, I'm not super great at it, and I, I like playing decks that... Uh, I know all, all the mana and stuff has, has worked out. So yeah. um, <laughs> depends what your that. goal is, right? If you want to get better as a player, then net tanking is great because you know it's totally. not the deck's fault; it's your fault <laughs> that you're exactly. Losing. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am in my stage of magic. I don't want to <laughs> try to be like, well, I think this deck can get there if I keep working on it. No, the deck will never get there if you keep working on it. Yeah. Play a different deck, and then you have to learn other skills, right? Or uh, you have problems yeah. with your. Your on game. the other hand, if you so. want to get better as a deck builder, you need to build your own decks. Net decking still helps because uh, it shows you what like a well-built deck looks like. And, and there's a lot to learn. We'll talk about it sometime, I think. Um, yeah, probably this next season we'll, we'll do yeah, that. Yeah, it's really nice to like try to build an archetype without looking at anything, see what you come up with, and then consult what you know has become the standard deck list for that and see where you went wrong. It's a way, big, big exactly. way to learn how to build decks better. Um, but yeah, all right, Pyre of Heroes. I guess not worth a slot, damn. Damn. 
looking back at it, but uh, let's let's run through it again. So, um, Doomscar worth a slot. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's just do mine. Jorn not worth a slot. Yeah. Well, uh, that was mostly out of my hatred for the card. But yeah, um, I think I might try it, but it's uh, I don't I don't know. It's fifty um, fifty between busted and junk. So yeah. <laughs> um, Mystic Reflection, uh, not really worth a slot, but seems fun. Not worth a slot. Uh, and then Jeff, talk about yours. <laughs> uh, Tybalt's <laughs> Trickery. I mean, obviously worth a slot. This card's broken. It's probably the best mm-hmm. card ever printed. <laughs> uh, no, it's worth a slot if you want to have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cardour's Vicious Return. Uh, again, I don't really know where we landed on this one. Uh, this was worth a slot. We I think it's worth a slot because we both just like Reanimator and... This does. It's definitely worth a slot. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth a slot. Come on, let's be strong. Definitely (laughs) worth a slot. Uh, Is this going to be in a tier one deck? I don't know. But (laughs) and Pyre of Heroes not worth a slot. Not worth a slot. Uh, Just too hard. Like the amount. I guess we decided the amount of fun you'll get out of this card. Not worth the amount of time you'll have to put into building with it. If you really just love that deck building portion, then yeah, take a crack at Pyre of Heroes. But be prepared to be wrong wait like dozens of times before you get it right oh we picked the same one <laughs> i like how mine looks like it's a different color than yours in the camera yeah it does anyway sorry we both picked uh jacobson the or sorry the nordic lager from jacobson and henderson brewing company yeah um <laughs> jeff you did it again good job you Woo-hoo! brought the uh you brought the best <laughs> wait didn't you get me last week no, I'm pretty sure I picked your... Uh, oh, the week before we both picked yours. The week before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what nice. I was saying. We're getting Two a lot of uh, winners these days. <laughs> As opposed yeah, to just split decision. Picking our own, being yeah. like, fuck you. All right, um, well, no, I... Yeah, we'll, we'll let's, start, let's start with the Nordic Lager then, the winner. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the winner. <laughs> uh, oh, tell me why you picked it. Just getting derailed. <laughs> okay, I picked it... Um, let me take a sip again so I remember why I picked it. Um, oh, yeah. It's delicious. Um, no, this is really good. I think yeah. this um, this combo went over really well. Uh, whatever, like, what, the Angelica root or whatever it was. I was gonna. Great. I was wondering if you were going to say you could pick out the Angelica root. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I probably... <laughs> uh, you didn't have to say it. I just knew. Yeah, I already knew. Root. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I just think it's a really interesting, like, lager. It's different than other things. The color is really nice. It has a very, it, It's a you know, beautiful color, yeah. It almost looks really like a beautiful. Ale. Yeah, it looks like a, it, it's just, it's good. I'll probably pick up more of this. Um, I've never tried it before, and it was, um, quite nice. It's, a. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just really refreshing. And at the end of all this, just having something refreshing seems really good, so, um, yeah, just just seems like the right choice. Yeah, so like my decision was a bit interesting because one of the things I just noticed from doing this with you, and I know our show is not about beer reviewing, you know, but I mm-hmm. noticed in myself that I tended to lean towards styles that I preferred rather than trying to choose the beer that I thought was a better representation of that style. So I've tried to make like a conscious effort to move more towards let's just pick whichever beer is actually better than just you know giving the brewery props for making the style that i like 
So mm-hmm. while I really like porters and I'm not a big lager guy, I had to kind of, you know, this is my first step in that direction where when I drank the lager, I was like, oh, this is really good. And I don't mean really good for a lager, you know? Like, I just it, enjoy this beer. Uh, and there good. was nothing totally wrong with the, the Hanlon's point. I guess we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, yeah, I just thought this beer was a better representation of of its style. Just was a yeah. better lager than the other one was a porter. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely agree with, with your, what you were saying right there. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, all, a lot of it is like, will I pick this up again? Will I think about this again? Do I want to have it? Um, and for sure, I could definitely see myself, oh, wait, 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 I know a good lager. Let, let's go grab this one, actually. Exactly, um, yeah. It might be my go-to lager from now on, because usually I don't buy lagers. But yeah, it, it has can, that crispness that lagers have, for sure. Yeah. But it also has a lot but of flavor. It, and yeah. It has, like, a depth, really nice. Yeah. Um, and still refreshing. I, I, yeah, this is, um, this is great. I'm probably going to say diamond on this guy. Yeah, I was thinking diamond for this as well. Yeah, it's uh, whereas normally it's hard for lagers to crack a platinum for me. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and I drink a, a good amount of lagers. I do love myself like a macro uh, moosehead or you know anything. There, there are times when I just want something to crisp. Yeah, but I guess know. that's what I've associated lagers with. It's like macro for sure. food stuff. Um, and I feel like uh, any anybody else who tries to do it fancies it up too much. Right. I think they did a good job of making it. Yeah. hit the marks of this is a lager it's and it's still crisp and refreshing but also has a depth yeah. um but not too much where it's like well i don't want to have a bunch of these like so i to, could drink to summarize you know we really love <clears throat> the angelica root that's really uh you know fruit uh, the, Angel- the palate and uh, it really makes it for me yeah it makes actually, it clear why enough, vikings used to use it as currency you know <laughs> yeah uh angelica root actually was uh it's like one of the gin botanicals that we would talk about yeah, a lot yeah. when i worked at a gin spot so i'm actually familiar with angelica root. you actually might have done that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, i've definitely tasted angelica root as a distillate uh just a single um like a gin only angelica root kind but of thing, like so. last week or the week before i brought or two weeks ago i brought the gin ipa right and i didn't that get any terrible. of this you know like <laughs> no it didn't taste like anything yeah. it was just like oh cool it's a tasty ipa this is closer to, to like a gin. gin lager than than that was to a gin oh for sure <laughs> yes we could definitely say that this is a gin lager <laughs> um but let's go over to the handlands point from uh <clears throat> was it great lakes brewery yeah um so th- you start off. You start. I, I brought that one, but you you say what you think. Yeah. So this is a coconut coffee porter, right? For mm-hmm. me, it was like really heavy on coconut. That was almost yeah. all I tasted. Which I don't know. It's either a good thing or a bad thing if if that's what you want. It wasn't really what I wanted. For me, porter is like. I was thinking coffee would be hopefully a little dominant, and coconut would be like, you know, like somebody put coconut milk. Uh, in into the coffee. my latte at, at, at mm. you know so that's kind of what I was expecting when I read it I guess they led with coconut in the uh, coconut coffee porter description for a reason because <laughs> it's like first of all coconut then coconut. a little coffee and then you're like oh yeah this is a porter yeah that being said it's not like it tasted bad no that's just not what I wanted in it uh, I think it's just totally fine uh, what do you yeah, think? I think it's all right. No, I agree. I think it's all right. Um, I would totally drink it again. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's hard to say because I'll, I'll drink most everything again. But um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's okay. Like I, I, I'm not gonna. 
telling anybody Except to drink it. Except the peanut butter and milkshake IPA, right? That's fucking garbage. Whatever that is. <laughs> Sorry. Peanut, yeah, peanut won't butter. name any breweries here. Yeah. Uh, you guys don't actually know about it, but I was talking to Jeff about this fucking garbage peanut butter uh, milkshake thing that I had. It was... I had if to you, dump it If off. you somehow beat me, that's in your weird 2-4, buddy, for sure. It's for sure going in there because you are drinking all these garbage beers I hate. Um, uh, yeah, so this one's definitely not that. This is um, definitely tasty. It's good. You know, uh, it's a beer. Um, but I'm going gold. Like it I was is not literally something... about to say gold. I was ho- I was hoping you weren't going to say platinum because I was ready to no. rebuff you with gold. But... No, no. Uh, I, I don't think uh, I really like it that much. It's not worth... Uh, um, yeah, being too excited about. So I think it's like interesting because seen... the decision today for me was like a, a good porter or a great lager. And because porter is one of my favorite styles and lager was one of my less favorite styles, I think it made it closer than it should be. But obviously, in the end, I had to choose the, the great yeah. lager. So. I, I, I really think the lager was just like just leaps and bounds better and the the porter was fine but like there are some really good porters out there and this is not one of them and i can tell because it's one of my favorites as well so right or at um, least it's not for us it's not our style of porter that we're looking for you know yeah i mean it's it's all right Uh, it's worth a try that's that's what i gotta say um make your own if you uh, like coconut you'll probably like this a lot (laughs) and i do like coconuts and it's it's okay um but with that, I think we are wrapping up this episode of Arena Regulars podcast. Um, you can always reach us on at, or sorry, you can always reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Arena Regulars. Yeah. You can also find us on MTG Arena. Our username is Arena Regulars Podcast. Uh, give us a, a cool sticker, you know, if you play. Yeah, so. maybe some of these. I really hope we get some new stickers. Actually, I want to talk about this. Uh, we'll talk about it another time, actually. Um, I want time. some some <laughs> some time when we know more about them, possibly, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Um, but we would love if you would review us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, any place you can review us or follow us. Just um, please uh, give us a like or a share or anything you can. Um, you know, just talk to us. It really help we're, us we're, out, we're, yeah. We're yeah, well, we're also regular dudes, so yeah. we just want to like <laughs> chill with people. Um, but we have something exciting. Next week is going to be our first. I'm just going to announce it. I'm going to say it. we're doing <laughs> this right now. Um, it's going to be our first <laughs> drunken Vorthos episode, yeah. where we will explain some magic lore to you while fairly drunk. So okay. we're going to get um, you prepped that, for call time. <laughs> exactly, and the pre-release coming up next week. Uh, so be ready for that next Thursday. Um, but Jeff, with that, I think uh, that's a night. Yeah, that's our last call. Yeah, last call. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> All right, that's fine. <laughs>